Morning, everyone. Good to be here. Uh, we were away last weekend, the long weekend, down at the beach. First proper beach holiday we've had since before COVID. We come back to Joburg and it's got cold. So I don't know who left the fridge door open, but please stop it. It's really cold. <laughs> um, in January, I traveled to the USA for work. And uh, on the 16-hour flight from Joburg to Atlanta, you can watch all kinds of movies and series, and it was great because I watched a few movies and I caught up on some Big Bang Theory, and uh, they had all these other kind of episodes, do you know the Masterclass series, like an expert in something like they share uh, how to do Southern cooking or business leadership or whatever it is, so I watched a Masterclass on the science of sleep, and I was particularly hoping they could tell me how to overcome jet lag because I was traveling like eight, eight hours of time zone. And uh, it, was, it was a fascinating uh, masterclass, and I learned a lot about sleep. I really did. And while I'm watching, I'm taking mental notes. Okay, I want to change this when I get back home, and I'll tweak this thing and adjust this thing. I'm going to improve my life and my health by sleeping better. And I even remember telling Candace some of the things like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to sleep. And with three young kids, that was perhaps a bit um, hopeful, <laughs> ambitious, right? Do you know how many things I've put in place since January? Zero. <laughs> this is my point. We can have lots of knowledge, lots of information, lots of facts about something, but unless we do something about it, unless we put it into practice, unless we implement it, it doesn't change our lives. My sleeping is no different than six months ago, I'm sad to say. And the same is true about our faith and our relationship with God. God works in our lives in all kinds of ways. He speaks in a whole bunch of different avenues, if you like. God speaks to us when we pray through other people. As we read His Word, God speaks to us through the Scriptures. It's His primary way that He reveals Himself to us. Sometimes, if you ask God for a sign, He can speak to you through a sign or through a dream. Maybe God will speak to you through a devotion or a worship song or a podcast or a sermon. God speaks in a whole bunch of different ways, but it's useless unless we put it into practice. Would you agree? Yeah. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells a parable and he says, basically, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who builds their house on a rock. In other words, it's safe, it's secure. But the foolish person is someone who doesn't not hear God's words. They hear God's words, but they don't put it into practice. They're like a foolish man who builds their house on the sand. I don't know if you've realized this. In the 21st century, we don't lack for access to God's Word. Okay? You can just Google and you can find Scripture. You can find amazing teachings about the Bibles, any topics you want. We don't lack for access to the Word of God, but I think we are limited by how much we're able to implement, yeah? How much we're actually able to put in practice. And I'm in the same boat because I hear lots of stuff and it stays in my brain and I think God's changed me, but my actions haven't changed. I'm still sleeping the same, if you want to use that analogy. 
And so what we felt to do as elders, sorry, before we get into the preach, you're wondering where is identity in all of this? What we felt as elders, we want to be very intentional. Do you know what that word means? Deliberate, on purpose. We want to be very deliberate about how we respond to God on a Sunday morning. Because God's speaking through the worship songs, through a prophetic word, through the message this morning. God wants to speak, right? But we need to make sure that we are able to implement it, to change, to respond. And so what we're wanting to do, you might have seen us experimenting the last few weeks. We want to make room for all of us to respond to God. That we can have a moment where we can kind of do business with God, if you like. Where He can massage His truth into our hearts. Where He can touch us, work deeply, bring freedom, break chains, bring healing, etc., etc., etc. We want to create a moment on purpose that we can meet with God, that we can encounter God. Because it's not just hearing His Word that changes us. Right? It's God doing something in us and us responding and implementing that. Yeah? So what we're going to be doing, or how we're going to be doing it, is as whoever's preaching is finishing, the band are going to come up at the end, and we're going to have another song. It might be one of the songs we sung earlier. It might be a different song. But we're going to create that moment where we're going to say, we're just going to worship God, and we're going to invite anyone who wants to to come forward. Either you might want to be prayed for, you might want to come down and just worship right in front of you with no distractions and not hitting the guy next to you when you're putting your hands up and worshiping someone smiling. Did you get hit this morning? No, almost. <laughs> That's why you're sitting so far from, from Nancy. <laughs> you might think, oh, I'm, I'm kind of nervous to come forward. I'm shy. I, I might feel self-conscious or, or awkward or embarrassed. And, and what if while I'm coming forward, everyone sees that I'm coming forward and they automatically think it's that bad thing in the preach. The preacher said, that's why I'm coming forward. Don't, don't we think like that. You don't want people to think badly of you. But can I just say, no one knows why you're coming forward, right? We all have stuff that needs dealing with. So let's not speculate or judge. Let's just be free in God's presence. And there have been a whole bunch, I'm only going to tell one this morning, a whole bunch of key moments in my faith journey with God, where because I came forward and either someone prayed with me or sometimes they didn't, God touched me and changed me and I was different. And there was a life-changing moment. I remember one time, this is about 13, 14 years ago, the preacher was preaching, I forget what they were preaching on, but the person who invited people forward to be prayed for at the end said, if you'd like to, become for, to come forward and be prayed for, we're going to pray that God equips you. He's going to strengthen you and give you more skills and spiritual gifts and abilities. And I'm like, yes, let's go. Come on. Take over the world, you know. So I come forward. I want more of whatever God's giving. So, so I'm just standing in front, kind of like this, and, and someone comes and prays for me. I'm like, that's a good prayer. Thank you. That's awesome, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just waiting around. They've prayed for me. They've moved on to pray for someone else. And I'm just, I'm just waiting there, just seeking God, praying quietly, enjoying the music, and someone else comes to pray for me. I'm like, awesome. A double anointing. <laughs> I'm in, Lord. And I don't even know who the person was. They prayed briefly and they stopped praying. I'm like, ooh, what's happening? And then like a few moments, so there's this awkward silence, like his hands on my shoulder. And then all of a sudden, he hugs me. This big hug. And he says the words that God said over Jesus at his baptism. This is my son 
whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And as he said that, it was like God the Father himself was hugging me and speaking over me. And I just experienced the love of God, his acceptance, his affirmation. I just started weeping. And this guy who I don't even know who he was, hugging me, reading, basically saying a scripture over me. And God just brought healing and wholeness and it was just amazing. But it's because I took a step of faith and came forward and let someone pray for me. And so we honestly, we, we want this to be a church where we encounter God, where He speaks, He does those cool kinds of things. And so we, on purpose, we're going to be experimenting. I'm letting you know up front. So when we switch off the lights and the band are playing, I'm gonna, we, we're going to invite you, come forward if you'd like. No pressure, right? But I want to ask you, be serious about your faith. Be serious about God's Word. You might just come forward and worship and no one prays for you. That's totally cool. We're not trying to manufacture anything, but we want to say, God, we want to implement your word. Otherwise, we're not going to be changed. What's the point of wasting your Sunday morning if you're going to hear stuff that doesn't change your life? Yeah? So, Father, I pray as a church, we would be those who are hungry for more of you. And I pray, Lord God, would our hearts be open and willing to receive and to be touched by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, week six of identity. Can't believe we're here already. If you've got your workbooks, you should be on page 14, I think it is. And you can write the title on the top when we get there. Uh, if you could put up the picture of the two circles. We've uh, had this up from week one. And we showed this picture in the beginning. This is the identity gap where, where the white circle is all the stuff I believe about myself. I'm handsome, I'm attractive, good looking, I'm joking. <laughs> the yellow circle is what God believes about me, and you see there's three segments there. Number three, this is the misalignment of what I believe and what God doesn't believe. Segment three is the stuff I believe about myself, I'm not worthy, I'm not accepted, dot, 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 but are basically lies because that's not what God believes about me. But I'm living in that feel like truth. Right, And the aim in this series is to get the yellow circle and the white circle to get closer and to overlap more. That segment three becomes smaller. Segment one, which is the truth of God's Word I'm living in, that which has become real and changed my life, that that gets bigger and bigger. And I hope that's happened for you as we've gone along the last five or six weeks. We've covered some big topics. We looked at this one, I'm a child of God. I'm a servant, I'm a saint, I'm a citizen of heaven, and our final big identity this morning is I am an ambassador, Christ commissions me. You can write that as your title on the top. I am an ambassador, Christ commissions me. So Dan, Daniel, who was leading worship here, um, was my neighbor, neighbor for a few years, but I knew his dad and mom better than I knew him, all right? So Dan and I, if I'm honest, like we're not friends. Like, we're, we, like, we know each other, we don't fight, like, we know each other, but, like, he's in KZN, and I'm up here, and we just, we mix in different circles. So, like, but did you know that Dan is, besides a worship leader, he is a fashion designer. He's got his own range of clothing, genuine, right? It's not April Fool's. He's got his own range of clothing, and um, anyway, so Dan and I, the only time we've communicated in the last five years, I think, was to organize this trip that he's coming up here. That, that's the extent of our, just being honest, like, you know. Dan would admit that. So I was really surprised when Dan messaged me earlier this year. 
and says, Glendon, you know I've got this range of clothing. I'm like, yep, I've seen it on Facebook. I haven't ordered anything. <laughs> um, and he says, Glennon, uh, I'd like to give you some free clothing, but all you need to do is like, just take some selfies, post on social media. I can see you've got like 17,000 followers. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I want you to be my brand ambassador in Joburg because his company started, he's in KZN, etc. And I'm like, whatever. I mean, I grew up on a farm. This is, my, this is my wife choosing my clothes. Like, I've got no fashion sense, and Dan knows this. Like, he's, he's a bright guy. So, like, why would he? And I thought, but, but you know what? Maybe he's trying to crack into a new market segment. You know, middle-aged, three kids. Like, Dan's, like, young and hip and happening. He'd never crack. So, I'm like, oh, if maybe if Dan's marketing ploy is to transform Glendon, that he looks young and hip again, like, that'll boost his sales. Like, nah, Dan, Dan's brighter than that, man. I'd, I'd never be his brand ambassador. And then I look at the message, like, April the 1st. <laughs> By the way, that whole story is made up. <laughs> Except the fact that Dan does design clothing and sell it. So go to his website, www.danthemand.com. <laughs> Being an ambassador... In that sense, a brand ambassador, many of you are wearing name brand clothing, I'm busy looking around, uh, is quite a superficial thing, as you can tell from my example. But the Bible says a whole lot about us being an ambassador for Christ. We're going to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. This is Paul speaking. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I'm going to pick kind of three words as part of my intro this morning before we get to the three main points. But we're going to pick up on the, on the new word, on the word new creation, and then reconciliation, and then ambassadors. So number one, new creation. This is what happens when we become a Christian. We become a new creation, the Bible teaches. This is what God has done in me. Fact, past tense, I am a new creation. If you're a Christ follower, this is what God has done in you. You're a new creation. And Paul picks up on this kind of idea of creation, and it harkens back to Genesis when God spoke. And the sun and the moon and the stars were created. And the, he split the water and land appeared and there was trees and animals and life. And the pinnacle of his creation was mankind, humans, made as his image or in his image. But the problem is that creation fell and it became tainted and dark and twisted and fallen. And Paul is so amazed by this amazing salvation that happens. He kind of like, it's such a big change that it's like God's made you into a new creation, right? And he says, like God, it's like God spoke into your heart, and you were born again, and, and you became alive. Paul says, before we were in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in our sins and transgressions. 
But then God comes, and when we yield and surrender our lives to Him, it's like He makes us alive. We are born again. We're a new creation. And that's one of our kind of baseline identities. If you believe in Jesus, you are a new creation. The old has gone. Praise God. Many of us thank God that the old has gone and the new has come. Second word, reconciliation. Reconciliation is what God has done between us, between me and God. He has reconciled us. Verse uh, verse 18 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And notice who it starts with. Paul says, All this is from God who reconciled us. So even though... I'm the one who messed up the relationship, me and my sins and my transgressions, me and my old way of thinking, my slavery to my previous God, the devil, right? Idol. (laughs) I'm the one who messed it up. But reconciliation is required when there's a break in relationship. And so God knows I can't fix it, right? So it's... So Paul writes, all this is from God. God is the originator. Even though I'm the breaker, he's the fixer of this relationship. It's an incredible, incredible truth. It starts with God. Some people kind of have the mistaken idea that that Jesus is lucky to have me following him. You know? Sure, he must like, um, you know? Jesus is really stoked to have our family, you know, serving him here every Sunday, etc., some of you are shaking your head. And if, God, and if he does or says anything that, that I don't disagree with, I'm, I'm out of here. He knows I'm leaving, right? But, but that's a whole lie. Christ isn't lucky to have me. I am eternally blessed to have him. Wrong kind of thinking. All this is from God who reconciled us to him through Christ. Start on his side. Jesus was the mediator. Candace read the scripture earlier. He's the mediator. And as he, as he stretched out his arm and died, like he's the bridge between me and God, and there's no ways I could have gotten back to God except through Jesus, who mediated and died in my place for my sins. The third word is ambassador. So new creation is what God has done in me. Reconciliation is what he's done between us, what he has done. I've done nothing here, right? But ambassador, this is what God wants to do with us, what he wants to do through us, if you like. Verse 18, he says, he gave us this ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. So God, we know that he's chosen us before the creation of the world. We know that we are incredibly loved. But loving us doesn't mean saving us and leaving us alone. He says, no, no, I love you so much. I'm going to select you to be my ambassador. And being a brand ambassador is obviously very superficial, very shallow. The ambassador of a country is probably a better way to understand this concept that Paul's speaking about here. The ambassador of a country, diplomatically, is a very vital role, right? To make sure things are going smoothly between the governments, etc. And what happens is South Africa will choose... Key people, very important people, skilled people, gifted people to be their ambassador. The president selects them in another country. 
right? So South Africa will select an ambassador to France or to Australia or to Brazil or to wherever, okay? And other countries do the same. They pick their key people and they will say, this person is going to be the German ambassador to South Africa. And they come and live in this country and uh, most ambassadors in South Africa live in Pretoria. That's where they kind of conduct their, their work. Their embassies are mostly located there and a few other places. And when a government selects someone to be an ambassador, that person doesn't say, why would I want to do that job? You know, it's a very much a big privilege that someone is selected to represent their government in that other country. It's an incredible privilege, a great honor. And when you become an ambassador, I'm told, I've never been one, you don't change your nationality. So if, if um, Salome was the ambassador to France, she would go and live in Paris, eat French food, but she wouldn't become a French citizen. She'd still be South African, but her role there would be to represent the South African government in France. Does that make sense? She doesn't change nationality, but she's there with, um, to represent the country. And it's not her job to come up, or the ambassador's job, I'm not going to pick on her now. <laughs> it's not the ambassador's job to come up with a whole bunch of ideas and sprout off on things of what that country should change. Like ambassadors to America, like I can imagine a South African, a boor. You guys don't know how to braai. You put Vienna's on the braai? No. It's not their job to go and tell them. <laughs> I'm trying to really dumb it down, not to be silly. But you get the point, right? We, we don't get up and make a speech and tell them our own opinion and ideas. No, we, we say what our government would tell us to say if you're an ambassador. And Christ, when he says, you are my ambassador, he selected you and I to be his ambassador to the world, irrespective of what country we kind of live in. And I'm first and foremost an ambassador, and the, the kind of knock-on implication of that is that I don't just say my own stuff. Because if, if we look around South Africa, we can say, Oosh, good luck, this country, political unrest, Fraud, corruption, problems here and there. And when the lights come back on, there's even more problems. <laughs> we could just spout off our own opinions and say, oh, you should do this, da 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 like, like a machine gun of criticism and judgment. But as an ambassador, that's not my job to do. How often do we do that? I don't know. You're not being an ambassador, you're just you're representing yourself in that case, right? But how often do we go back to God's Word to get His take on that particular thing? And God has a lot of strong stuff to say and also a lot of hopeful stuff to say. We can have hope for the future of our nation because of what God says in His Word. But we are Christ's ambassadors, Paul says, as if God were making His appeal through us. If you had to deal with the ambassador of Australia, you're actually dealing with a government official. You, you're indirectly dealing with the Australian government. And we as God's ambassadors, when people interact with us, when they deal with us, they should be experiencing something of the government of heaven, the government that we represent, yeah? 
as an ambassador, you can write this line down, as his ambassador, I am on the king's mission, proclaiming the king's message with the king's help. I'll say that again, three things. As an ambassador, I am on the king's mission, proclaiming the king's message, and I have the king's help. We can look at those three kind of big points as we're ending off this morning. So number one, we are on the king's mission. Matthew chapter 10 is a really cool chapter because Jesus gathers some of his disciples around him and he starts training them and teaching them. He's about to send them out to a whole bunch of towns to be essentially ambassadors. And if you go and read Matthew 10, a lot of those things apply to us still today as we are ambassadors for him. But in Matthew 10 verse 16, Jesus says to his disciples, I am sending you out. We are on the king's mission. He is the one sending us. It's not the church. It's not a man. It's not an idea. It's not an organization. It's not flipping a coin. God himself, Christ, the king of kings, he sends us. I am sending you out, he says. And he's not sending us out to something that he hasn't first done himself. He's the greatest example of an ambassador. Before he came to earth, he, where was he for eternity? In heaven, right? Experiencing the glory and the wonder and the majesty and the splendor of heaven. And he was willing to leave it all and come down to planet earth in order to rescue mankind, to reconcile us back to God. He left the glory of heaven to come to the squalor of sinful earth to rescue people. What happened? When he got here, they rejected him. They crucified him. They misunderstood him. He died. That's what he was willing to do. He was the ultimate ambassador leaving heaven, living in a foreign country, if you like, representing heaven. And when Jesus says to you and I, I'm sending you out, he's not just like, phew, hope you make it. It's not like a gamble, right? He's gone before us. He's, he's the example. He says, I'm sending you out as I was sent. I'm sending you out. You might be thinking, hang on, Glendon, but, but Jesus was rejected. <laughs> Does that mean I might face rejection? Yeah, possibly. Well, Jesus had pain and suffering. He was crucified. He died. Could I be martyred for my faith? Possibly. But I want to say that there's no higher calling than to represent heaven's government here on earth to people. We sometimes speak of the word missionary, and we have a certain picture in our mind of what a missionary is. What would you say? You know, someone who's sold everything, they've left their country, they've brought their family with them, and they're going to another far-off land to, to live among people and tell them about God. Yeah? It's not wrong. That's, that's kind of what we mostly know about a missionary. And we kind of think, wow, they must be like very close to God to, to do that. That's extreme faith. They must be very spiritual. But you know what the Bible actually teaches? That we are all missionaries. Okay? So God says, or Jesus says, we're an ambassador. And when we step out of our front door in the morning... As we leave, we are on the king's mission, 
right? We're ambassadors because we're on His mission. We are missionaries. So the moment we step out of home, whether it be our schools, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our families, we are on the King's mission. And when we come home at night, we don't put the mission behind us and like, shoo, I can be myself finally, done with this ambassador stuff. We sh- our faith should be alive in our home just as it is outside our home. All day long, we're on the king's mission. We are missionaries. We mustn't be too worried, I don't think, with thoughts of rejection or pain or martyrdom because I think in the time we live in, that's rare, okay? Shouldn't put us off serving God. Uh, here's a good example of what Jesus, who was on the ultimate mission, what it looked like for him being on mission. So in, in Luke chapter 19, he's walking in the streets of Jericho. He's in that particular town. And there's a guy in this town who's kind of heard about Jesus. He's heard some stories, hey, this, this preacher can heal, etc. And, and he's interested. He's got some questions. He's intrigued. But he's not like sold. <laughs> he's, he's not like all in just yet, you know. His name's Zacchaeus. Maybe you've heard of him. He's the guy who's up the tree. <laughs> Where was I? What's the point of writing notes when you can't find your place? Oh, Zacchaeus, right? So he's interested, and he's not perfect. He's done some bad things. But Jesus doesn't, this is what Jesus does or doesn't do. He doesn't go to Zacchaeus and say, ah, you've been bad a long time, but... He doesn't bash him with all the wrong things that have happened. What does he do? Zacchaeus, I want to come chow dinner at your house tonight. Doesn't that like completely change how we think about mission? The starting point, Jesus' example of being an ambassador and being on the king's mission is eating. No, no, no. Yes. (laughs) Building relationship with people. Food really helps that a lot. But he gets in Zacchaeus' space, he starts connecting with him, and some conversation happens. We don't see how it plays out, but at the end of the conversation, we see the result is that Zacchaeus' life has changed. He says, I'm going to give away half of all my wealth. All the bad things I've done, I'm going to write them, I'm going to set them correct, okay? His life has changed. Jesus says to the crowd after this interaction, he says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's such a great summary of the mission of Jesus. And how does Jesus start it? By building relationships, connecting with people. And that's our first job. If we want to be on the King's mission, let's connect with people. Let's build relationships. Let's invite ourselves to their home for supper. Heather, tonight, your place. Awesome. I'm there. So number one, I'm on the king's mission. Number two, we're proclaiming the king's message. Matthew 10 verse 7, Jesus says to his disciples, he's about to send them out. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. I've heard people say, maybe you have also, I'm just going to let my life speak. I'm going to let my actions speak Louder, because you know, actions speak louder than words. I'm I'm not going to preach this gospel. I don't want to offend anyone. I'm just going to let my life shine. 
and they will see in time that, that I'm a Christ follower. And I guess the problem with that, well, it's true, actions speak louder than words, 100%. But if I look at this verse, it seems to be implying that we should also be talking, using our words, right? And in fact, if we just tried to um, be proclaiming His message just with our actions only, we're actually ignoring one of the king's commands to go and proclaim, which means to speak about the kingdom of heaven. It, it would be like me saying, I'm absolutely in love with my wife, Candace, but I'm never going to mention her name in a conversation. You know, I'm just a little bit embarrassed about her, you know, but I don't want to mention, I'm just, it feels awkward when I mention her name in conversation. And I don't want to romance bash anyone. If I do talk about her, you know, what if people feel awkward and uncomfortable? I just, I just want it to shine through over a long period. People must just pick up that we're madly in love and that she's my wife. You'd probably say, go for marriage counseling. What's wrong with you and your marriage? No, if Christ has saved me, if he's done this new work of creation, if he's done so much for me, why would we keep quiet about Christ? We can't just say it's actions only, it's actions and words together. Some people like they go right to the extreme of that side. Maybe you know some people like this. They, they send you hundreds of messages and devotions and WhatsApps and like you can't keep up with all the stuff that they like throwing at you, right? <laughs> I'm seeing some interactions in that corner over there. When you come forward later, we know it's not for that. It's totally cool. <laughs> I've been on some of those groups. I've had some of the, well, they're still my friends. I just ignore them now. It's like, mute the group. <laughs> but sometimes we can go to the other extreme and, and pouring a torrent of like stuff can actually chase people away from God. And the Bible says, be wise about, there's a time and place for those things, probably in a small percentage. But be wise about how we use our time and how we use our words and how we use our actions. This past long weekend, we were down in KZN on the north coast for a, a proper beach holiday. And um, we messaged some old friends about, well, they're not old, but they, we knew them a long time ago, so that's why I say old friends. They're actually younger than us. Tom and Rebecca. And we first met them when we just came to Joburg in 2012. And uh, we joined a different church back then. And we said, hey, we're down the coast. We know like you're half an hour away. Can we come to church with you on Sunday? This was last Sunday. And they're like, cool, we're at this church. This is the time. Awesome, we'll see you. We haven't seen them in years. So we went to church with them and we had a coffee with them afterwards. And it was just amazing to connect with old friends again. And I was reminded of Tom's story and how he came to faith. And how we met Tom and Rebecca, we were kind of still new to Johannesburg in 2012. And um, at the church we'd, uh, we, would, we joined, um, the one morning after church, they did a baptism. And there's like big fields by the church, and this big porter pool, and they were like putting people in, and we were like kind of new, and we just came to watch the baptisms, and this one guy, Tom, got in the pool and says, I want to get closer to God. I'm like, that's a cool reason, but I don't know if it's the right reason to get baptized, you know, anyway. So Tom got baptized. I didn't know that Rebecca was standing next to us. And so as Tom came out, he looks at me. He's like passing my towel, but he's actually looking at Rebecca. It's like, okay, I'm Glendon, hi. And I passed the towel. And so we literally met on that moment, right? And um, 
I said, hey, come to our life group. We were in a life group, and uh, they came along that week in life group. And as the weeks went by, and I listened to like Tom's interaction in life group, and I'm like, I don't know if this guy's saved. <laughs> the kind of question he's asking, like if I was a believer, I wouldn't be asking that. I'm like, but he got baptized, so he must be saved. I'm like, anyway, have him over for a coffee one night. And um, turns out that his chosen profession, like it wasn't going well for him. It was really rocky for his particular uh, role, that, uh, job that he was doing. And um, he hadn't grown up in a Christian home. Rebecca had, but she wasn't really following God so much at that point. But she's like, my boyfriend is, is like going through this like depression almost because he's just about failing at his, his, his profession. Let me go to church. Maybe God can do something. So she takes him to church, obviously speaks about church with him. I don't know when, but then he got baptized. He came to our life group, and I had a meeting with him, and I explained John 3.16, you know, little diagram of the cross, and before that, you in darkness, and then you, you give your life to God, and he puts you in the kingdom of light, and you're born again. The whole thing on like this big piece of paper, and I said, Tom, have you come to that point? Well, you've gone from darkness to light. There's a decision you make. He looks at me, he's like, no, no, I haven't. Like, for both of us, this light bulb goes on. He's not a Christian. But like, he's come to church, he's been dunked in the water, he's been at life group, etc. <laughs> and like, it just dawns on us at that moment. It was, it was amazing. And so anyway, Tom kept coming to church, and he kept coming to life group, and we had one or two more coffees with him. And one Sunday, a few months later, he comes forward after church, says, Glendon, I want to give my life to God. I'm ready now. I understand it. We prayed with him and we baptized him properly a week later because when you get dunked but you're not saved, it's just a swim. You know that. Like you've got to get saved. Yeah. And I was just like, Rebecca brought Tom. She wasn't really serving God, but she spoke to him about church and God and brought him to church. Like we met him on day one and said, hey, come to life group. It was that simple, inviting people naturally Proclaiming his message in very natural ways, not bashing him with the truth. <gasps> you got baptized, but you weren't saved. <gasps> like, we didn't do that. We didn't bash him with and make him feel condemned. I've got another good friend who's, who's in this church, and he came to faith in this church. And he wasn't my friend before that. <laughs> <laughs> Not because, I didn't know him at all, okay? Don't judge me. Huh? When I come forward for prayer afterwards. <laughs> he, lived in a, he still lives in the same complex, but one of his neighbors, who was a friendly neighbor, not their friend, but just friendly, said, hey, I visited this church. We were at the old venue. Come along. And so this, this guy comes along to church. He's from a different religion completely. He's far from God, but this, this neighbor of his invites him. He comes to church. He doesn't get put off. He comes two weeks later. I don't think he came every week. It was the end of the year. He came to our Christmas carols thing. This is like four years ago. And then I, I saw, hey, this guy's coming a few times. I should just get to know him. So I invite him for coffee. He comes to my house. We have a chat. I realize he's from a different religion. He's a bit angry about faith in general. And he's like, he can quote the Bible better than I can. Anyway, so we have, this, we have a few discussions, and he realizes what it means to be saved, what religion means. Like, we have this full-on discussion. He comes to church beginning of the next year. I think it was the first Sunday of 2020, just before COVID. And I'm preaching, and I do an altar call at the end, and I see him put up his hand. 
to get saved. Yes, come on. Fast forward three years later, he's baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, leading one of our kids' ministries. He's leading a life group at the moment. God has so changed this man, all because his neighbor invited him to church. Now, his neighbor has since left the church, never really got involved, is in another country, completely. But the power of just inviting someone naturally, God can do amazing things. And so don't give up if someone turns you down. Who here invited someone to come along at the start of the series for identity? Who invited someone to come? Right? I did. I got a no. <laughs> Straight up. Okay? Don't. It's okay if people say no. I've been inviting a work colleague to come to church for the last six years. All I've got is no. Oh, we are away that weekend. Oh, I got a party the night before. Six years, I'm still inviting this person, right? I've had far more no's than yeses, far more. But what does it matter? It's not my job as an ambassador to make the yes happen. I'm just here to represent the kingdom of heaven and just to invite them very naturally, here to proclaim the king's message. And then lastly, we have the king's help. What I absolutely love about our faith is that God doesn't just save us and then said, good luck for the rest of your life. Go and do it. We'll catch up when you die. We'll settle accounts. No, he's with us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's like at the finish line waiting for us. He's cheering from the sidelines and he's given us his helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit to help us on this journey. He enables us to live out the life that he's called us to live. Many of us have excuses or reasons why we don't want to be on mission with the king. I'm too shy. I'm too worried. I, I, what if they ask a difficult question? It's often the one we use, right? I don't know enough about the Bible. Or what if they're from a really weird religion and I've got no idea what kind of angle to take? What if I stutter and I feel awkward? What if I make them feel awkward while I'm trying to share my faith? We have all these kind of questions. And kind of reasons why we, why we don't be an ambassador. But you know what Jesus says to us? He says, I'm with you. I've given you my helper. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 19 and 20. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. How cool is that? At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. The king himself says, don't worry, I am with you. Don't worry what to say. Just live out your life naturally. Invite people, be among people, get in their space, build relationship, connect with them. And being an ambassador for God isn't about learning five points and being able to recite them to every person you say. It's about just Living out our lives naturally, allowing God to speak through us, and it'll be different to everyone we speak to. Jesus didn't say to everyone he found in a tree, I'm going to have dinner with you tonight. <laughs> that wasn't his formula, okay? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> what, what does it look like? So maybe you're chatting with your neighbor, and 
They start to say, well, I, I went to the doctor yesterday and I'm a bit worried about my health and they've taken bloods. So I'm getting the results tomorrow and I'm, I'm really anxious about this, this blood test and my health. You could just say, oh, can I pray for you? Can I at least pray for God's peace? And they might say, oh, I'm not into this praying thing. Okay, now, we got life groups tonight. It would be a great privilege to pray for you tonight in my life group. That's not bashing them with anything. That's not making them feel awkward or uncomfortable. It's just very naturally, very caring, very kind, bringing God's kingdom into that situation. And we let God do the rest. I want to end off with this picture. If you can put up that picture of the Navy SEALs. The Navy SEALs are the, like the elite of the U.S. Special Forces. There's a, a movie recently based on real events where there were five Special Forces teams and they were all training for the same mission, but only one of the teams would get picked. And they kind of interviewed each of the five kind of team leaders and said, this is a very, very, very dangerous mission. There's a good chance that you and none of your men are going to come back. It's, it's that much of a dangerous mission. So these teams train and they, and they select one of, the, one of the teams. And what's interesting about that moment, when the team finds out they're the one selected for this top secret, ultra dangerous, life-threatening mission, do you know what happens? They don't start weeping and mourning. Oh no, I've check my life insurance is up to date. So I might not come back. <gasps> no, they were fist pumping and high-fiving. We've been selected. <laughs> And in a greater and more eternal context, God says, not based on our ability to be a Navy SEAL and shoot straight and survive harsh conditions, but if you're my child, I'm selecting you as my ambassador to the world. We should be thrilled, honored, delighted, amazed, and dependent on His help. And He says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of your neighbors and your nations. Everyone, whoever you come in contact with. Surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Amen. Can we stand? Can we have the band up? I'm going to pray for us very briefly. And then we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to invite you to come forward if you'd like. No pressure. Genuinely no pressure. If you'd like to be prayed for, hang around, uh, look desperate. No, don't look desperate. <laughs> if you want to be prayed for, like, make it known to someone up in the front here, if that makes sense. But you're welcome to come down in a moment and just worship God. Father, this morning we are amazed that you would call us one your own, but then call us to represent the kingdom of heaven on earth to those who don't yet know you, to those who are far from you, to those who like Tom and my other friend here, Lord, who were in desperate need of you. And we see, Lord, the power of a simple invitation, how it can change someone's life. Lord, I pray this morning as we respond in faith to you, that you would just make it real, just Make it a revelation in our hearts, the privilege of being your ambassador. And it's not because of what we've done. It's because of what Christ has done on the cross. Before we sing a worship song, while we're all just engaging with God, 
If you're here this morning and you've not yet crossed that line into faith, you're not yet a believer, maybe like my friend Tom, you've, you've come to church, you've come to a life group, but you've, you've never made a decision and given over your life to Christ that He would rescue you and make you a new creation. If that's never happened to you, it would be my great honor to pray with you this morning. If that's you and you'd like to make right with God this morning, even though it's He who does the reconciling, I'd love to pray with you. If you wouldn't mind raising your hand wherever you are, just so I know who I'm praying with. I'd love to pray with you. Anyone like that this morning? I don't see any hands going up. That's okay. If you were too shy, I'd love to chat with you afterwards. For the rest of us, we're going to take a few minutes now to respond to God. We're not going to rush off. We're going to allow God to touch us, to minister to us. So I invite you now, come forward, come and worship. You're welcome to kneel, raise your hands, lay in the presence of the Lord. If you'd like someone to pray for you, we'd love to pray with you. Lord, I pray right now as we sing, as we take a moment to engage with you, I ask that you would heal us, touch us, fill us with your presence, set us on fire, increase our passion, and do whatever you want to do in our hearts, Lord God.